Hey everybody, welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. I'm Shannon. And I'm Mom again. Mom, welcome back. Thank you. Good to have you on the show so much. This is fun. Yeah, nice to be here again. Well, we don't have any emails to read this week, uh, and I don't think we have any updates. Did you have anything you wanted to talk about, Mama, before we get going? Uh, No, I guess not. All right, cool. Well, then let's just jump right into it then. This week, we're still going with our Christmas theme, getting all of our Christmas topics out here for the month. And this week, we're going to talk about our favorite Christmas carols. But Aaron, you talked about Christmas <laughs> songs last year. Listen, I'm getting tired of this attitude that I keep getting from people. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, we did talk about Christmas songs last year. That's correct. But I thought it would be interesting if we talked about specifically Christmas carols, which then led me to to try to figure out what the heck is the difference between a Christmas <laughs> song and a Christmas carol. So I pulled up Wikipedia for the entry for Christmas carol, and it says, a Christmas carol is a carol, parentheses, a song or hymn <laughs> with, with the theme of Christmas. So that's Already we're not off to a great start. But reading through here, the very first known Christmas hymns may be traced back to the 4th century Rome, which is pretty cool. Basically, what I learned from my readings that I won't get into because it's kind of long and and a little bit boring, is that (laughs) Christmas carols started as religious songs. They were almost synonymous with hymns uh, that were based about Christmas and the Christmas season, the Christmas holiday. Over time, Christmas carols have somewhat expanded in definition a little bit because of the act of Christmas caroling, where you go from house to house and sing Christmas songs. And so even though a song like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman are not religious songs per se, uh, they also are simple and fun or the kind of thing that you sing together in a group uh, when you go caroling. And so those are generally considered to be Christmas carols. Something like All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey is typically not considered a Christmas carol, although obviously it is a Christmas song. So eh, there's a little gray area, but like I said, we're we're running out of topic ideas. So here we are. <laughs> well, and here to add a little bit more gray area to that. I, in my searching about like what defines a Christmas carol and like the origins of Christmas caroling and stuff, I found from classicfm.com, uh, it was talking about how predating even like Christian hymns, you get pagan songs. And so it was saying that in the Middle Ages, you would have a group of wassailers that would go from house to house that would sing uh, in hopes of spreading joy and entertaining people and would do so to hopefully also get donations, as it were. And so it talked about there being pagan songs that were sung for winter solstice that predated Christian hymns. And then over time, the Christmas carols began to be heard more and more in the wintertime. And there's a lot more really interesting history there that for a brief time, Christmas carols, like the singing of Christmas carols were banned in England. And then they came back years later and that became more of like the traditional stuff that we know now that are like the very common Christmas carols. And so, yeah, kind of interesting. And then one thing, so then I also kind of went from there to look up about wassailing, which was saying that the tradition of wassailing falls into two distinct categories, the house visiting wassail and the orchard visiting wassail. And so if anybody doesn't know, wassail is like a spiced apple drink, kind of like cider. Um, And so they were saying that the house visiting version was the practice of people going door to door, 
singing them a song, offering them a drink from their wassail bowl in exchange for gifts. And that practice, while it still exists, has largely been displaced by carol singing, which is hmm. what we have now. Hmm. So they had said <laughs> the the section wassailing during Christmas tide. Uh, traditionally, the wassail event and everything would be celebrated on Twelfth Night, which is usually the beginning of January, actually. But in the Middle Ages, the wassail was a reciprocal exchange between the feudal lords and their peasants as a form of recipient initiated charitable giving. <laughs> so, I think I, I think I heard uh, Loki doing some caroling in there as well. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Sorry, can you continue? <laughs> no, you're good. Well, and so it was distinguished from begging. And in, this will be a good lead in, in the uh, old Christmas carol, Here We Come a Wassailing, which is maybe a carol. <laughs> it's not <laughs> uh, not necessarily about Christianity much, but it says in the song that we are not daily beggars that beg from door to door, but we are friendly neighbors whom you have seen before. So they would sing and offer their wassail from their uh, orchards and things. And then the Lord of the manor would give them food and drink in exchange for their blessings of goodwill. And so the verse, love and joy come to you and to you, your wassail too, and God bless you and send you a happy new year. So there you go. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't know all that history behind it. Nobody ever offered us any wassail. (laughs) Well, it was opposite. We should have been offering them wassail while we were caroling and then they would give us gifts. We should have brought some. I think that was a really fun idea, actually. (laughs) If we would have known that we could have gone around with our cider and stuff, that would have been fun. Yeah. We did sometimes get offered some nice hot chocolate or something. Yes, we did. The Boyntons would frequently be like, you guys look cold. Come in and have a cup of hot chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, it was interesting looking through the list of of carols and and seeing the shift from from purely religious music to the more secular music and stuff. But uh, there's a lot of of fun songs here. And we uh, failed to come up with an order, so I'm just going to jump in. Please do. And it kind of piggybacking off of what you just said, one of my favorites is Good King Wenceslas. So good. Which is funny because it's not really about Christmas. Uh, there's actually a few uh, Christmas carols that are more about the season or more of just the 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 winter setting as, as opposed to specifically Christmas. Uh, and Good King Wenceslas is one of those. It actually is a fairly old song. The English lyrics were written in 1853, but it was written to a springtime carol music from the 13th century. Uh, so it kind of a conglomeration of, of two separate pieces of, of, of music that came together. Good King Wenceslas is the story of a bohemian king who goes on a journey braving harsh winter weather to give alms to a poor peasant on the Feast of Stephen, which was December 26th, the second day of Christmas. The legend is based on the life of the Saint Wenceslas I, Duke of Bohemia, uh, who was not a, actually a king, but was a duke. It's just it's a fun song, and, it, and it, it starts a trend that I'll talk about later of most people don't know all the words to the, to the <laughs> Christmas carols. We maybe know the first the first uh, uh, line or the first verse of some of these songs. This is one I definitely didn't know all the words to, so I looked them up, and it's a it's a cool cool thing. So good King Wenceslas was this benevolent king, and he sees as he's out in the in the cold, he sees a poor guy gathering wood for a fire, and he asks his page, he's like, "Who's this?" And the page is like, "Oh, he lives he lives a ways away under the mountain, and he's he's a poor guy," and Good old King Wesselsus says, bring meat and wine and, and fresh pine logs, and we're going to go see him and have a feast, and we're going to give him a, 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 a merry evening. And as they trudge through the snow, the page is like, I can't go on any further, leave me here. And 
good King Wenceslas says, listen, follow right behind me, step in my footsteps, it's all going to be good. And they are successful in their quest to bring this poor guy a nice dinner. And it's a nice song. I never knew that story. Huh. Yeah, it's a good one. I guess because I didn't know the words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those, again, uh, I, I never know the words. In fact, there's, they make fun of it in, of all things, an episode of Rick and Morty, uh, where Jerry is singing a Christmas song and he's uh, on the something Christmas, 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 Christmas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's like, the version <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anyway, it's it's a good song and it's it's a it's a fun one. I just like I like how upbeat and bouncy it is. And yeah, if you get into the the full lyrics, there's uh there's some you know some good stuff. The kid getting ready to give up the ghost in the cold is 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 a serious topic, I would say. But uh, it's a fun bouncy song. And and uh, if you if you listen to was it last episode or the episode before, I I did pop in our 500 East arrangement of Good King, uh, our kind of surf rock version of it. And it it was fun. <laughs> Very good. I love that. Nice. Mom, you want to go next? Uh, well, I picked one that I've loved since I was a kid that is a Christmas one, Away in a Manger. And did you know Away in a Manger, uh, it's a Christmas carol that was first published in the late 19th century, and it was used widely throughout English-speaking world. It says that in Britain, it's one of the most beloved carols, and in a 1996 Gallup poll, it was ranked second. So wow, I thought this was interesting. If you look in... I looked in a hymn book and it says the text is anonymous, but here it says the vast majority of early hymnals, including the earliest known to us, cite that the words uh, were written by Martin Luther. And then many even go as far to say that they called it Luther's Cradle Song or Luther's Cradle Hymn. But then it goes on, then it says that the claim to Luther's authorship remained to be be made well into the 20th century, but now they're saying it's false. For instance, no text in Luther's known writings corresponds to the carol. Also, no German text for the hymn has ever been discovered before 1934. Uh, Anyways, I thought that was interesting. But one thing, when I think about that song, and I think I've just been singing it since I was a kid, you know, I'm a mother of five kids. I've gone through childbirth, and I think about how would that have been having a baby, not only with no doctors or nurses, but not in a hospital, but in, you know, a manger. You know, I love animals, and I think, you know, I guess I guess it could have been a peaceful place, you know, with <laughs> the cattle were lowing, and, you know, I think... That's really interesting. It talks about the, I don't know, I guess that just seems real to me, you know, the the whole situation. But it says in the hymn, it talks about blessing all the dear children. And I, I think about this crazy world and things that, you know, things that happen to all of us. So I think whether we're born, you know, in a mansion, a castle, or, a, you know, a hospital or home or a barn or whatever it is, it doesn't matter where we're born. It matters what we do with our life from then on, you know, what are we going to do to make the world a better place? And anyways, I think that I love that that carol and it's always fun to sing, but when you actually stop and look at look at the words, you know, it's something that can touch all of us. Very nice. Yeah, I like that one a lot too. Very much so. I think the one I want to talk about next is In the Bleak Midwinter. Ooh, I like that one. Which uh, was originally a poem written by Christina Rossetti, who also wrote the poem for the song Love Came Down at Christmas, which 
I know from Jars of Clay. We talked about that on their Christmas album. I didn't know that was as traditional as it was. But so she wrote the words. (laughs) What was really cool that I didn't know was that the melody was written by Gustav Holst. As in the guy who wrote the planets. Oh, <laughs> wow. I know. I thought it was really, really cool. So I was like, oh, no wonder I really enjoy this song. <laughs> but what I didn't know, and I found across a couple of different songs that I looked up, is that there, it, uh, these words have actually been put to different melodies. So Holst is the one that I feel like most people uh, in our area would know. But another one was uh, written by Harold Dark. Which, really cool on Wikipedia for some of these, if you look them up, they have a little, like, sound snippet of them. And so I didn't recognize this other melody. I hadn't heard it before. But um, the lyrics, it's another one that, like you said, Aaron, this is a song that I don't super know all of the lyrics. But it is very beautiful to read through it. Definitely inspiring and everything. And really goes along with what you were saying too, Mom, that, you know, it gives you this sense of hope and gives you this nice you know, picture in your head and something to imagine about the nice Christmas season. So yeah, definitely a favorite of mine. Yeah, that's a really pretty one. And yeah, I do like the lyrics. Again, I I could not sing them from memory, but if you look them up and read them or times I've performed it in choirs and stuff in the past, it's it's a really pretty song. I really like it. Is it my turn again? Yeah. I think so. Okay. I'm going to go back to my common theme of people don't know all the words to Christmas carols. <laughs> and I want to talk about jingle bells. <laughs> again, I really like this like bouncy, happy, upbeat vibe of just, you know, everyone's out and hanging out together. And somebody's either, you know, if we're inside, someone's playing the piano or outside with our instruments and stuff caroling. And jingle bells is just a fun, fast, upbeat song that's that's a good time. I mentioned a little bit about it briefly before, so, so I won't get into too much detail, but it was written in 1850 and uh, originally was called One Horse Open Sleigh. The song was not originally a Christmas song. It was written for Thanksgiving and commonly used as a drinking song in the area of uh, Massachusetts where the song was written. It was recorded in 1889 on an Edison cylinder. Uh, Unfortunately, that recording has been lost, but it was recorded again approximately 10 years later in 1898, also on an Edison cylinder, uh, and that recording does survive. It was one of the oldest recordings that we have, which is pretty cool. Wow. Now, Shannon, I'd explained to you once how cassette tapes worked. I'm not going to explain to you how Edison cylinders work. Here's what's hilarious. You said that and I was like, I'm going to have to Google that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, They're cool. They're a very early early way of recording sound. I I won't get into it. But it's a fun song. Everybody knows the first verse and the chorus. And then you get into consequent verses and it all falls apart uh, for people remembering how it goes. It is pretty funny though. Uh, In the second verse, there's a little bit of comedy slash controversy (laughs) in, in the verse. So a day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride and soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. He got into a drifted bank and then we got upsot. And I never knew what upsot meant. So the reason this verse is humorous is because way back then, when couples were courting, young or old, they needed to be chaperoned to make sure they would not be inappropriate together before they were married. One of the very few times that a couple was completely alone was when they were traveling somewhere in a sleigh or a wagon, and often they would be just the two of them alone in said transportation uh, mode, often in the middle of nowhere, in a uh, snowy wood, for example, in in the Jingle Bells. So when they get stuck in the snow, they get upsot. It means they're just having a, a 
a good time together, is what I will say. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was reading that too. They're like, it could mean that it just meant upset. And so then, then we got upset. But then another one's like, yeah, but I don't think so. Yeah, the generally accepted meaning of it is, yes, that they, this couple just had some, they had some quality time together while they were stuck in a snowbank alone without their chaperones. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it's a fun song. Even if you only know the first verse, it's a, it's a good one. <laughs> well, it's another one that when I was Googling it, so then there's a next verse that I'd never heard before. Like it's usually skipped, but as it's going through on uh, Wikipedia, they give a synopsis verse by verse that uh, we have, well, although less known than the opening, the remaining verses depict a high-speed youthful fun, including the narrator taking a ride with a girl, losing control of the sleigh. The verse I had never heard before was a day or two ago, the story I must tell, I went out on the snow and on my back I fell. A gent was riding by in a one-horse open sleigh. He laughed as there I sprawling lie, but quickly drove away. <laughs> so, the boy goes out with the girl, then they lose control, so he falls out of the sleigh. A rival laughs at him is how it is phrased <laughs> and then uh, our very last verse that a lot of people have heard is after relating his experience he gives advice to a friend on how to pick up some girls by finding a faster horse and then taking off at full speed. <laughs> oh, it really does kind of fit the vibe of a drinking song, right? You can just imagine all these guys in the tavern. <laughs> wow. Angel <laughs> girls, you know. <laughs> yes. It really does. Oh, it's a good one, though. I like that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mom. Well, I guess I was going to go with Silent Night next after our drinking song. <laughs> That's a good, Jaunty ride. This is a good shift, Mom. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I always love Silent Night. And did you know it was written 204 204 years ago, when Silent Night was first heard by Austrian villagers attending Christmas Eve Mass in St. Nichols Church, it says that this melody brought so much comfort and so much peace throughout the world. So it's about a calm and bright silent night and the wonder of a tender and mild newborn child. So it was written, here we go, in 1816 by this priest in Austria. It says the backstory is that the priest went out for a walk before he wrote it, and he looked out over a very quiet winter-laden town. And then it says that the young priest who wrote the lyrics uh, played the guitar and sang along with Franz Gruber, the choir director who had written this melody. And then an organ builder and repairman who was working at the church took a copy of six of the sixth verse song to his home village. There it was picked up and spread by two families of traveling folk singers who performed around Northern Europe. Uh, in 1839, the Rainer family singers debuted in Trinity Church in New York City. Isn't that amazing? Now it's translated in over 30, 300 languages and there's many different arrangements and different ensembles. Anyways, that's really interesting. But uh, last year, when we talked about stories, I think I talked a little bit about this book called Silent Night. But as it was written, you know, it was actually Christmas. It says, as Christmas drew near of ni- in 1914, the nations of Europe were at war. And I talked just a little bit about this, that, you know, boys had been off to college 
they were in other countries, and then they came home, and it says now they're all at war together. But it says that the night of Christmas, there was a short truce, and it says that all was quiet and all was still, just like Silent Night, and it says there was, it was heard that there was some singing. I read this in this back of this book. It says... There are many details in war stories. Some contribute to good storytelling, while others are just interesting. Omitting some of these details, perhaps, is the difficult part of assembling this story. And in the back of this book, it says, There was a Christmas truce that all all that were more profound. It says, Throughout December, and keep in mind, this is during war, it says that English puddings and German chocolate were heaved from trench to trench. It says, German boots exploded in an English trench stuffed with sausage, chocolate, and cigars. There was even a soccer game in no man's land. A British soldier captured a rabbit, and soldiers from both sides contributed tins of vegetables and meat to make a batch of Christmas stew. It hardly seemed possible at at the time that the war would last so long. And it says, in the end, during just this short period of time, it says that there was this truce and all was silenced. I thought this was interesting. It says... After Christmas, it says they didn't really hate each other in the first few months as this war started, but it was out of duty that they had gone to fight. And so you can imagine these kids are all the same, you know, just out there fulfilling their duty. But it says, after Christmas, the guns were silent for a day. And when soldiers from both sides returned to their trenches after Christmas, the command to resume was issued. They would only fire into the clouds until the war was stalled, and it says they sent replacements on both sides, and then things carried on. Isn't that interesting when you think about a silent night and think about somebody being at war? That really was a silent night. People were, people were you know, quiet and didn't shoot for a day, you know, even... It's crazy as as we think about all the crazy things that happen with war, but I I love that song and I love the I mean I've walked outside on a quiet snowy night before and just looking at the everything still and everything quiet and and you know I I I love that song and I think for all of us to have a silent night and to have peace and and love and you know all the things that happen and anyways that's just a special song to me yeah yeah that one's on my list as well and yeah mom that i i love that story and there's actually so that ceasefire was not an official you know negotiated ceasefire between the yeah. parties it was just the people on the trenches that just it just happened spontaneously. There's yeah. stories of World War II, not to that same extent, but there's stories of World War II on Christmas Eve in 1944 of that night of Christmas Eve that that they weren't shooting at each other back and forth across the line, and the the Allies could hear uh, the German soldiers singing "Stille Nacht" on the other side of the of the line, which is which is really crazy to think of in, in such a terrible thing as a as a war, you know? Yeah. And just to add one one piece of information because the song was on my list too. So the lyrics were written in 1816, a couple years before the the full song was composed by Joseph Moore in the in the aftermath of the Napoleonic Wars. Uh so I, it's interesting that such a beautiful song has so so many stories tied to war. But the the day the song or the day the music was written was the same day it was first performed. The church that uh that father I, I guess Father 
priest? Anyway, uh, the Joseph Moore, his church, the organ had been damaged by flooding. And so he brought the lyrics to Franz Gruber and asked him to write the melody and guitar accompaniment for mass that same night. And he put together the music and they performed it at that at that mass. And then, like you said, the rest of the story uh, is history there, which is, is pretty crazy to me. I'm glad you brought that up because I had forgot to mention that part. But anyways, that's that just makes it even more special. Isn't that just amazing? Yeah. That's a good one. I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. Another one of my most favorite. Mom mom had mentioned it earlier that she she also has the old hymn book out. I also busted out my old uh, LDS hymn book here to, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> to look through my uh, my favorite songs. One of my most favorite ones that's in there that maybe I liked it a lot because it is a different key signature than other ones, different time signature as well. But it's the hymn, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, which I learned is also actually a lot about war. Well, I guess... Silent Night wasn't about war, but it has that war in its history. And this song became one of my most favorites. Uh, I was a choir kid through and through. And years ago, my chamber choir sang a version of this song at our Christmas concert. And it was an arrangement by Greg Jaspers. I don't know how to say his last name. But it's a really pretty version that has a whole bunch of cluster chords in there, very free form to it. But it's a lovely, lovely version of this song. But reading up on the history about it, this is another one of those hymns that uh, has two different melodies, actually. So there is the melody that we know uh, best, which is in B flat major, has a 6 8 time signature, and is the one that is mostly sung in the United States. Uh, but there is another one, which is an English melody written by Arthur Sullivan that is in a lot of other, I don't know about countries. It doesn't say that necessarily, but just it's sung in a lot of other places. And it was interesting because again, Wikipedia has this ability to listen to snippets of it and I can't place what hymn it is, but I do recognize this melody. So Aaron, maybe after we're all said and done, I'll have to ask you or mom, I'll play it for you. And you guys can tell me what the heck hymn this is because I do recognize it. But again, where this kind of ties in there with war is that it was written originally as a five stanza poem which I also thought was interesting reading those lyrics because I know the version we're used to only has three verses, actually. And he wrote it at a very low point in his life that he, it says, had a period of personal melancholy that he was feeling pretty down and out about war, that uh, at this time they had just finished the... uh, United States war with Mexico. He'd heard about a lot of wars brewing in Europe, and he was feeling very just down and out about things. And so those two verses that are usually left out is talking about the world suffering and man at war with man hears not the love song which the angels bring. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife, and hear those angels sing. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now, for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. And so when they include those uh, two verses, I feel like this song that I already really enjoy 
become so much more hopeful that instead of it just being about angels that came upon this midnight clear and are singing to the shepherds about glad tidings of great joy and things, it talks about how, you know, be hopeful because it's easy to get caught up in all of these negative, awful things that can be happening in the world. But if you're so caught up in those, you don't notice the angels and the good things around you. So... Oh, a I love beautiful that. hymn for sure. Yeah, I love that. I wa- now I'm really curious to hear the other melody to hear what the what the other one was. <laughs> All right, here's here's the other melody. It came upon the midnight clear that glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. What hymn is that? That sounds familiar, but I don't know. That's a good question. I know that melody and I don't know where from. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there it is. I love Mm. it. That's great. Uh, Okay, before I move on, I have one more thing to add for Jingle Bells. Did you know Jingle Bells was the first song in space? What? Let me tell you this story. It's so good. (laughs) So, Jingle Bells was one of the first songs to be broadcast from space in a Christmas-themed prank by Gemini 6 astronauts (laughs) Tom Strafford and Wally Shearer. I think that's how you say the name. So, in in December 16th, 1965, they were in space, and they sent this message missing control. We have an object. Looks like a satellite going from north to south, probably in a polar orbit. He's in a very low trajectory traveling from north to south. (laughs) And then the astronauts produced a smuggled harmonica and sleigh bell that they had smuggled into the... (laughs) spaceship with them and performed jingle bells over the radio. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Listen to this. Isn't that great? That is amazing. (laughs) How did you find that? It was on the Wikipedia page. That is so, so cool. The uh, harmonica is uh, is uh, preserved in a museum currently. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, it's funny. Wow. All right, let's see. On to my next song. The next song I want to talk about is one I have already talked about, but I just want to mention it again because it's absolutely one of my favorites, and it's "All Dang Sign." Oh yeah. Which is not technically a Christmas song at all. It's a New Year's song, but it's my favorite, and so I'm going to talk about it again. So, "All Dang Sign" is a Scottish song that is popularly sung to bid farewell to the old year at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve. The song was written by Robert Burns in 1718, uh, or the lyrics, the the poem was written by, by Robert Burns in 1718 based on an older Scottish folk song. In 1799, it was set to the traditional tune, which becomes the song that we all know and love. But basically, the song is somebody getting together with an old friend for a drink and reminiscing about all the good times they've had, and they talks about in the, the different verses. Again, my theme of nobody knows the 
the words to other verses. <laughs> but he talks about, you know, the, the two of us have run the hills and picked the daisies fine, but we've wandered many a weary foot since Auld Lang Syne. We too have paddled in the stream from morning sun till dine, but seas between us broad have roared since Auld Lang Syne. And there's a hand, my trusty friend, and give me a hand of thine. We'll take a right good will draught for Auld Lang Syne. Basically just saying, like, let's remember all the good times. And, and you know, we, we may have, we have all these great memories. And even though we may be separated or far apart, we, we can remember the past with fondness and, and remember the good times. And uh, I, I think I said when I brought this song up last time that I, I get really sentimental on New Year's, especially at sunset. I feel like I, I, I always sit and watch the sunset on, on New Year's Eve just because it's something symbolic about the last the last time the sun's going down on this year. And I get I find myself thinking about whatever has happened in the past year, the good and the bad. And so I feel like this song really kind of encapsulates all of that, you know, nostalgia and and memory of, of, of what has happened in the past. And I just think it's a beautiful song. And even though I talked about it before, it's worth bringing up again. <laughs> yes, for sure. Oh, very good. I love that. Okay. Is it my turn? Yeah, you're up. Yeah, go for it. All right. Here's a song that I always <laughs> like. Let me see if you can guess what it is. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I love that. It's so and good. Then, and then we all start. Charlie Brown. Hark the herald angels sing. Yes. <laughs> this is something un- interesting I found out about this song. It says, it, they used to say, Hark how all the welkin rings. Glory to the King of Kings. And it says, what on earth is a welkin? And how did this hymn change over time? And so then it says... Well, Old English, it comes from Old English, the word walken, walken, I don't even know how to say that, and simply means cloud, sky, or heavens. It is ringing because of the joyful exultation of the heavenly host, and it says the word appears not to have been very commonly used in Wesley's day, and it's pretty much non-existent today in our vocabulary, so they changed the lyrics. Anyways, I thought that was interesting, but that's always a fun one to sing, and it's always fun to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas, and especially to hear the kids sing it, because it's better when they do it. As far as hymns go, that one's got a good alto part. (laughs) A lot of hymns don't. That one does. I always liked singing that one at church because, you know, some of these, they're, they're beautiful. Silent Night is beautiful. They're all great. But, you know, they're, they're quiet. They're very, they're very reverent. soft and reverent. Yes. But whenever that, whenever that one was up on the hymn book and they started, the, the organ started going in, I was like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> We're praising now. <laughs> got, me, got me going. I like that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, those were always the best Sundays, I thought, were... Christmas time because yeah those were the good hymns to sing and everybody was singing them it wasn't like all right, everybody get out your hymn books. Time to <laughs> sing the song. It's like, yeah, it's Christmas time. And we, yeah. and we knew the words. Yes, even, everybody knew those words. Without even having a yeah, song book. that's true. <laughs> uh, well, 
going from words to no words, one of my other favorites is Carol of the Bells, which does have lyrics to it now, but originally was a Ukrainian song that is public domain, actually. And then years later, it uh, received lyrics for Carol of the Bells and was definitely originally intended to be played very simply, that it's just a four-part choir song a cappella now. And the lyrics were intended to be Carol of the Bells because the person who wrote the lyrics for it thought that just the kind of lilting sound of the melody reminded him of bells. So he wrote those lyrics and it became a Christmas song, although in previous, like I said, it was a Ukrainian folk song that was associated with the new year and celebrated the coming of spring in April. So, Hmm. wow. It tells the tale of a swallow flying into a household to proclaim the bountiful year that the family will have in the original version. Wow. I never knew. Yeah. But also one of of my favorites to sing with the choir back in the day. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Uh, Let's see. I got one more that I will give some brief details on and then I can honorable mention the rest of mine. Yeah. Wait, was it my turn? Yeah, go for it. Okay, okay. Uh, And that is The 12 Days of Christmas. Ah. I feel like The 12 Days of Christmas is a fun song because with all the different verses, it lends itself to lots of different fun variations in the recordings. I know we've talked about the Muppet Mm -hmm. version with John Denver is very, very fun. I mentioned the Bella Fleck version with all the different musical genres going on. There's a lot of different good versions of The 12 Days of Christmas because the repetition of it makes it, makes it, uh, kind of lends itself to it being a lot of fun. So, The 12 Days of Christmas is an English Christmas carol. Uh, It's an example of cumulative song, which is where the lyrics are repetitive in that as you're counting down all the days, you keep going back through old versions of what you sang before. You go through all the verses basically over and over again. The song, the best known arrangement uh, of the song is from a 1909 arrangement. That's the one that that has kind of stuck around since uh, since then. Uh, the song was first published in 1780. So it's been around for, really? for a bit. Yes, it's an old, old song. Huh. Uh, this I thought was very interesting though. So we all know the common version we all sing here. There's the partridge in the pear tree, two turtle doves, three French hens, four calling birds, five gold rings, six geese a laying, seven swans a swimming, eight maids a milking, nine ladies dancing, ten lords a leaping, eleven pipers piping, and twelve drummers drumming. However, on Wikipedia, there's a whole long list of variations, which I thought was interesting. For example, in the earliest versions, the word on is not present. The song simply said, the first day of Christmas my true love gave to me. On was added in 1909, which became very popular. Other early versions include my true love sent to me instead of my true love gave to me. Uh, This proved to be Mm -hmm. a more popular popular change in North America. One 19th century variant, the gifts are from my mother rather than my true love. So my mother gave to me. There are actually a lot of variants that say a juniper tree instead of a pear tree, which is presumed to be from a mishearing of a partridge in a pear tree. Partridge in a pear. (laughs) Partridge juniper tree. Interesting. (laughs) That one surprised me. The 1780 version referred to four collie birds. uh, Mm C-O-L-L-Y. They were birds that were very, very dark, uh, almost black uh, colored like coal. Those birds, nobody knows what they are. So they said calling birds instead. Uh 
Five gold rings has often become five golden rings for the sake of singers having one syllable per musical note. There also is a similar song from Scotland called the Yule Days, which is also a cumulative verse song where you go back through the verses every time you sing it. There are 13 days. and wow. <laughs> so, so the final verse would go, the king sent this lady on the 13th day of Yule, three stalks of merry corn, three maids of merry dancing, three hinds of merry hunting, an Arabian baboon, three swans of <laughs> merry swimming, Three ducks of Mary Lane, a bull that was brown, three gold spinks, I have no idea what that is, three starlings, ah. a goose that was gray, three plovers, three partridges, a pippin go I. Uh, what learns my carol and carries it away, says the final verse of the song. <laughs> Uh, and a pippin go a is a Scottish word for a peacock or a parrot. Wow. Anyway, there's there are more variations. Wow. They're they're all very similar to the original, but I just think it's fun that there are so many different Whoa. things here. Nice. Well, you know, I had looked up a little bit about that song. I love that one too. But it says that the gifts are cumulative, like you said. And if you were to get every one of those gifts, you would end up getting 364 gifts. Wow. <laughs> and the song that we know, if you were to purchase all of those things, it would be a whopping $197,071.09. Swans alone are really expensive. $1,875. Wow. <laughs> Is that crazy? I bet the Lords of Leaping are really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that does remind me of a funny story, actually. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. But uh, so Stephanie and I do a lot of work with the Burbank Animal Shelter. And from time to time, people will bring in animals to the shelter that have been injured or, or they think are sick or whatever that the shelter doesn't care for. The animal shelter primarily does dogs and cats and uh, some some birds, turtles, that sort of thing. But there's a lot of stuff that is outside of their scope of, of, of expertise. So they will ask volunteers to transport certain animals to different places. So somebody a couple of years ago, brought in a seagull that they thought was sick. And the animal shelter doesn't deal with seagulls, but there is a bird sanctuary that has all kinds of bird experts, Dennis and Pedro, which is south of where we are. So we got the call to see if we could transport this seagull down to San Pedro. And we we're like, yeah, sure. And it was, I feel like it was over Christmas break. So we had some time. We we're like, yeah, whatever. We'll go for a drive and head down there. And so we got this seagull and he was all packed up in this little like dog kennel carrier thing. And he looked nervous and I wanted to help him feel better. And so I thought... <laughs> What can I do to help this bird feel better? I'll sing him a song that's mostly about birds. So I sang him, so I sang him the 12 days of Christmas while we drove down to San Pedro. And I'm pretty sure he loved it. Oh, good. You made his day. I wish I could have seen that. I assume he feels all better now. Because <laughs> that song's mostly about birds. And so I was like, oh, yes. I appreciate this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I got about that song. Oh, oh my goodness. Mom, do you have one last one for us? Uh, I can be done if you. Aaron, we you were sure? Talk? I was going to do one more. So I'm, we're going to do one more. I've got a bunch of honorable mentions. Okay. I'll rapid it's fire just, them at the end. Last time we talked about I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and I thought Aaron was going to talk about that a little bit. but Oh, you can talk about it. Yeah. But I just, I just love that story. The. The fact that, you know, the Henry Wadsworth Longfellow is just revered for all the poetry that he's written. And so it's just so beautiful that he actually wrote that. And 
in a time of his life, you know, he was married to the first wife, she died, and then he married the second gal. And she actually, I'm so glad we don't have to wear those hoop skirts anymore, even the weight of the <laughs> dress. But it said there were several fires. She actually caught on fire her dress and passed away. Anyways, he wrote that song. He talks about how his son ran away from home to go join the war and came home injured and Anyways, as I looked at the words, ow, sorry, sorry, (laughs) Loki. So let's see when he says, oh, this is the perfect timing, Loki. In despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. Before there hate is, is no strong. peace with Loki, I said. Oh, boy. We've been ignoring him this whole time, so now he needs attention. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And you think about all the crazy things that happened in his life, you know, that he writes that. But then he talks about, you know, his even though his wife had passed away, he says that he tried to always make Christmas a happy time and always be positive, even though he was so sad. He always would try to be positive for their children. Anyways, I just love all of us have trials, all of us have troubles. And yet uh, it says, then pilled the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fell, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And how did you word that in when you put, when you did that on your song, Aaron? Oh uh, yeah. When I, so uh, my good friend, Mike McClellan did a beautiful arrangement of that song. And I loved it so much that I, I did my own uh, recording of it. Yeah. And I did, I did sl- slightly change it. I changed it to, uh, and hate shall fail and love prevail, yeah. which just, I felt it was just a slight tweak for, for my own. I, yeah. I I felt like that was satisfying to, yes. to hear that. But it, I mean, it's the same yes. general meaning. Yeah. Yeah. But to have peace on earth and goodwill to men and for all of us to look look to the positive and look to the bright side of things and, you know, things will work out. And anyways, I just love singing that and thinking things will be better, you know? Yeah. I love that one too. It's really good. All right. For my last one here is honestly more of an honorable mention song for me, but I thought it was really interesting. So I wanted to share some details about it is the song, Oh Christmas Tree, or originally Oh Tannenbaum, a German song, which is a traditional folk song that has nothing to do with Christmas. It's about fir trees, but because Christmas trees are evergreens, that's uh, the tradition or the tradition. The lyrics were um, shifted a little to make it fit Christmas. But the original lyrics, I think, are so lovely. So I wanted to read those out. You know, it's obviously very repetitive. So I'll skip out all of the O Tannen bombs, O Tannen bombs. But it's uh, Oh, how faithfully you blossom through summer's heat and winter's chill. Your leaves are green and blooming still. How faithfully you blossom. With what delight I see you when winter days are dark and drear. You bring us hope for all the year. With what delight I see you. Uh, you bear a joyful message that faith and hope shall ever bloom to bring us light in winter's gloom. O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum, you bear a joyful message. And those are the original lyrics, which I think are lovely. That's awesome. I love that. Again, a very hopeful song. And I feel like I noticed that of most of my favorite Christmas songs were ones that are very traditionally, yeah, about how it's winter and it's dark and it's cold. (laughs) And that's okay because spring will be here eventually. The new year will be here eventually. And so have faith. (laughs) Things things will get better. And and just stay warm in the meantime. Yeah. I love that. Those are great. I think it's appropriate Shannon shared that, oh, Christmas tree. The fact that I'm looking at about 
75 plants. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is a Christmas tree in the window. Christmas tree. I love it. I, oh. I've started a tradition on accident that I didn't realize until recently that I've bought mom a plant every year around Christmas time and then I buy myself the same one. And every year, mom's looks better than mine. <laughs> so look, here's the plant I bought you last year, mom. It's a Christmas cactus. Mom's oh. is in her kitchen window and it looks beautiful. Mine is almost dead. And no. Ready. Mine's ready to blossom. <laughs> yes, it is. Mine is not. It's almost dead. <laughs> That's because Shanna lives in a basement. There's but no sun. My current Christmas tree is looking really good. Yeah. But next year, yours will be a full tree and yes. mine will still be a shrub. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what we need to get Shannon for Christmas. Some of those artificial plant lights. <laughs> yes. Sunlight. There please. you go. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, this is a good collection of songs. Carols. Song. Carols. I need to differentiate. Yes, this is a good collection of carols. <laughs> I've got some more I can honorable mention here at the end, but I guess it's probably a good spot to wrap it up. Mom, thanks for joining us yeah. again on short notice, as usual. Anytime. <laughs> I'm glad you could come. And Loki even got to stay a little bit, too. This yeah. is nice. Yeah. Loki, get over here. You got to do some meowing. Come here. Oh, he won't. He's annoyed with me oh, now. Oh, now he knows. <laughs> now he knows. He will want him. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, either way, this is a good spot to wrap it up. As usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com or look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite Christmas carols, whatever they may be. There's so many. Let us know what your favorites are. Also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating, is it because I said that All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey is <laughs> not a carol? Because <laughs> I'll stand by that. I'm sorry oh. if you feel differently. You know, feel what you want, but it's not a it's not a <laughs> not a carol. Uh, why? Why am I always in this controversy <laughs> area with Christmas stuff? <laughs> Settle down, Aaron. <laughs> well, I guess that'll do it. Until next week. My name's Aaron. I'm Shannon. And I'm Mom. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Cue the music. How many are on your list, Shannon? I'm curious. One, two, three, four, five, six. Hey, I got six as well. Good. Nice. All right. Mom, you got some? Uh, just a couple. All right. Let's go around. I'll start. Frosty the Snowman. Joy to the world. God rest you merry gentlemen. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Feliz Navidad. The Christmas Song or Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. White Christmas. Angels We Have Heard on High. Silver Bells. <laughs> I heard the bells on Christmas Day, which you already talked about. <laughs> oh, little town of Bethlehem. The first Noel. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. Bring a torch, Jeanette Isabella. And my last one is Angels We Have Heard on High, because it was always my favorite challenge to try to sing all of the glorias in one breath. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Good job. 16 <laughs> notes. That's what it says on Wikipedia. Gloria is fluidly sustained through 16 notes. Wow. That's insane. And could you do it? Yes. Shannon, I, I sure could. It. Well done. Gloria. <laughs> you did it. Loki is concerned. 